Good morning, Living Hope. Happy New Year. I hope you had a restful time between Christmas and New Year. What a wonderful time it is between that because it allows a, a wonderful time for reflection. Because as we transition, as Chris mentioned, we, we set New Year's resolutions around this time. But as we transition from 2021, we, we stand at the precipice of 2021. In other words, the peak of 2021. And we can look back and see how God has carried us through 2021. And not only that, but we can also see 2022, the mountain that is in front of us of 2022. And as we look to set our goals to be successful in 22, um, we remember what God has done in our lives in 2021 and previously to be able to sustain us and how he's held us to this point in time and continually works within our lives. So I'm excited about the testimonies that we're about to hear. And um, also I have a word as far as how testimonies are important from from God's word in Micah six, and uh, it'll be up here on the uh, on the. Uh, I think we have it here. Yes. So this is Micah six, and what is going on here is the Israelites are not remembering what God has done for them. And God is very agitated with them for not remembering him. And he reminds them of the work that he's done. And this is really important for us to understand and to be able to see how God reminds them of what he's doing. And also for us to hear what God is doing amongst our myths. So hear the word of the Lord. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord. And you are, and you are endure, and, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I worried you? Answer me, for I have brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak the king of Moab devised and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. He's reminding him that He's redeemed them from the slavery from Israel. And he's upset because they're forgetting how much he has done for them. And I know in my own life, it's easy to get focused in on myself and not see what the Lord is doing around me. And actually finding myself saying, where are you, God? When he's been there all along, when he's sustaining me and holding me. And he reminds me of the things that he's done for me. As, as he reminds them of what Balak, the king of Moab, who wanted to curse them. He went and paid Balaam and said, you go and curse them. And Balaam told him that I can only do what the Lord tells me to do. And the Lord blessed them. 
So even amongst everything wanting to curse them, God was still with them. God was still blessing them. And from Shittim, where they were, where they were worshiping Baal, turning their backs on God, he was still there. He was angered at them. He purified them. But at Gilgal, after 40 years in the desert, the new generation recommitted themselves back to him through circumcision and were able to enter the promised land. So God was with them throughout that entire journey. And God is not just dead, but he's still working. Right, David? Amen. So for the first testimony, um, Ron and Betty could not be with us, but we have a video testimony. And so please uh, put your attention to the video. Good morning, morning, Hope. It's nice to greet you this morning. Uh, Tim has invited us to be part of this testimony, and we really appreciate it because we we do sometimes feel a little disconnected. Um, We've prayed about what we were supposed to say, and Betty was led one way, I was led another, so we said, well, there's two things going to happen here. Betty's going to speak about how God has been carrying us through this season and time in our life of the past two years for most of us or more. I was led to speak about how we got here because God's been in our lives a long, long time and we've realized that he was carrying us all the way. So I'm going to let Betty speak first about what is most pertinent. Right now we find ourselves in a difficult situation. It's something that I am not free to share with you, but to let you know that it is quite a heartbreaking situation. Um, We've been praying. I was praying one night, and I unfortunately fell asleep, as I often do, and I was awakened a couple hours later, and a phrase was, I was impressed with it, And it said, he will make a way. So I thanked him and I I went back to sleep. The next morning I thought, gee, that's familiar. I, I mean, it's like I heard it before, exactly like that. It was a beautiful day, bright and sunny, so we decided to go for a ride, which we often do. And, um, I put a CD in the player and started to sing. Ron sings sometime. I pretty much sing all the time. And I, um, I sang, this started this song, and then I sang, He Will Make a Way. And I thought, oh my golly, I've had this CD and been singing it for 10 months or so. So I looked at the case, and this song is called Give Up. So I thought, okay, that's what he's saying to me. He's saying to us that we need to give up because he is going to make the way. I guess he figured, I've been telling you that for 10 months, and obviously you're not getting it, so let me try another, another approach. And he did, and I think we have it. The give up part is difficult, but I know it's what we have to do. We have to do that and let him do what he wants to do because he is going to make a way for us. 
that more or less is the story of our life together. Um, I want to go through this very quickly because this is a saga that he said it would be much, much too long to make uh, Tim's time constraint. Um, so I'm going to go through this very quickly, and I'm sorry if it doesn't encourage you, but um, because we are part of the older group in what we consider a very young congregation, um, I think it's important for you to know that God does make a way all along, all along, and sometimes it takes a long time for you to see it. But um, our relationship started with commit, uh, with commitment, but um, it started even before we even thought about commitment. We were 14 and 15 years old when we became aware of one another. Unlike today, where 80% of young people may establish relationships online, uh, we were in a small community. We bumped into one another. I, I can remember Betty in the fourth grade carrying her cello out of the school. Um, and later on, about 16, we met and um, kind of made a commitment, you know, yeah, I'll see you next week. And, we, and indeed we did. By 18, we, uh, we were making plans for a future and talking about a commitment to one another. Um, at, uh, at 21 and 22, we made the, the, the commitment of marriage. And just 10 months later, we were committed to the commitment because we had our first child, um, a blessing. And then we started looking for a house because family was important to both of us. And um, our values were very, very similar. Um, and we said, well, we'll have another child when we have... I didn't want to ask my landlord, is it all right for me to have another kid here? Um, and um, uh, just 10, uh, 10 months later, uh, 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 we realized that we were committed. We, Betty was pregnant and we found a house in New Freedom. Um, from there... It was just a roller coaster because in the living room of this home, we made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And that started us on our way. We have been in the Lutheran church and learned a lot. We have been in the Methodist church and learned a lot. We've been in a Pentecostal church and we've been in an independent church. And God has taught us all the way. And he brought us to that point where we listened to him. I listen to him because he speaks to me. One of the main ways he speaks to me is through a daily devotional. It's the Mennonite daily devotional. And um, I want to, to read this to you, if I can. This is from Jude 20, 21. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Thank you for listening to us. God bless you and... Have a happy and a healthy New Year. Amen. Amen. So, kids... Great that you were able to see the testimony. You may now be dismissed to your classes. And thank you for your patience. Your teachers are in the back holding up the signs. And thank you, Ron and Betty. What a great reminder that he will make a way. Amen.
Amen. So at this time, I'd like to invite up Donna to give her testimony. Good morning, everybody. Okay, so I am one half of the Feltz pair. The other half is homesick. And uh, yes, he tested negative. And uh, him and us and the hashes were having dinner the other night. And I don't know what Bob and Vicky both ate together, but they both have the same thing. So we know that they're both watching online and Greg's home taking care of Bob. So Greg, take good care of him. Anyway, um, so I was asked to give our testimony today, tell you a little bit about what's going on in our lives. Boy, phew, you want to talk about a year. You know, earlier this year, Tim talked in one of his sermons about us making plans, and he encouraged us to make plans, but to hold on to them loosely. I think he even quoted 38 Special when he said that. Uh, And he reminded us that while we have plans and goals, we have to realize that God has a plan for us and a purpose for us. It's his will, not ours. And Julie Coggins, when you gave your testimony over the summer, you quoted John Piper and said, God is always doing uh, 10,000 things in your life, and you may only be aware of three of them. And 2021 has certainly been that year for us. Um, let me back up. About 12 years ago, had this harebrained idea that when Bob retired, we were going to buy an RV, and we were going to go on a great adventure, and we were going to be maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. Bob's like, I don't want to be 75 and living in a camper. But we had this dream. Um, sometimes it was really in the forefront, and we were going to do it off. You know, it was like right there, and then other times it was in the background. Uh, but the desire we've had for quite a while. And when we got a camper in 2020, we were like, okay, man, we could do this. Of course, we didn't know anything, right? Are we going to live, you know, in a camper and then come back? Are we going to settle in York County? Are we going to settle out west? Um, are we going to buy another house? We didn't know. But God was up to something grander. So in May of this year, my son-in-law was offered a position in Boise, Idaho. And I remember sitting in the parking lot of the Strasburg Railroad talking to my daughter on a Tuesday afternoon. And I'm like, no, you can't move. It wasn't time. What am I going to do? She's so close to me. Um, and I gave her the negatives. And, and I listened to her fears. And I cried. And she cried. But he had been offered the job. So they decided to make a last-minute trip out there. And um, I guess if truth be told, we had kind of told them that should you ever relocate out west, we will follow you. We just never talked about the timing of that. So they got out there. They went to Boise, grandchildren in tow, and um, they loved it. So... um, I guess uh, I guess it doesn't surprise any of you ladies who are grandmothers um, and and mothers, just your heavy heart when you're thinking no. But then I got a text message from her, and she was said she was sitting on the banks of the Boise River, and she was praying, asking God to tell her what to do, and she sent me a text and said, "Mom, please tell me that if we do this, that you guys will follow us." if not right away, in the near future. 
And I told her, absolutely. When Bob was retired, we would certainly be flexible. But now came the addition time. So we had made a decision that Bob was going to work until the end of 2022. Well, if he worked till the end of 2022, and then we went on our adventure for like a year and a half or two years, then that would be two and a half, three years before we got to Idaho. Oh, no, 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 no. Grandma can't do that. You know, there's no way. So what do you do? We just moved everything up. Bob retired. Thursday was his last day. I stepped down from my job. I know he is retired. I stepped down from my job. We sold our house. The chambers have been having us. The hashes have been having us stay with them. And we are ready to go on Tuesday. So we're going to leave. And um, and every time I get a little bit wigged out, and I get wigged out about a lot of things, money, friends, jobs, um, I'm reminded of God's promise in Philippians. And I'm going to read from the Living Bible. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. And if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. God's peace. Matt talked about that last week. Salome. Perfect peace. How do we get that? And I was led to the scripture in 2 Peter 1 where he says, Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Then learn to know him better and better. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need to live a truly good life. He even shares his glory and his goodness with us. So how do I get to know him better? And this is where I'm going to tell Bob's story. See, we've had 33 years together. And um, trust me, they have not sometimes been the easiest. But we would wake up every stinking morning and I would come downstairs and the TV would be on. Sometimes it was ESPN and then it was... Fox 43, and then it was Fox News. And imagine just waking up every morning with that just heaviness. And I would say something, and he would say, i just like to catch up on the news in the morning. Well, God works 100,000 ways or 10,000 ways in the background. And one morning I woke up and the TV wasn't on, and he was reading his Bible. And then the chambers gifted him a devotional. And he told me, God kept telling me, turn the TV off and read my word. And every morning, I come downstairs and my husband is reading the word of God. Something if you had asked me about that five years ago, ten years ago, I would have said is never possible. God put friends like the Chambers and the Hashes and the Mitchell Trees and Wolf and Jan in our lives. And they have spoken to us and they have changed us. And I am now married to a man who has peace, who looks at the world through a different perspective because he's not looking through it through his eyes, but through God's eyes. And then a TV program like The Chosen comes on, and he starts to go, wow, Jesus is real. They are not words on a page. He's real. Let me read about him again. 
And so one thing feeds another and feeds another and feeds another to where we are now. And I am living with a man who has perfect peace because he knows Jesus intimately. And really, at the end of the day, that is what will carry us through our adventure and our move to Idaho, the peace of God. So I thank you, church family. It has been amazing to know you, to love you, to do life with you. When you think about us, say a prayer for us, okay, as we travel out west. And uh, just know that we wish you all of God's best, and, uh, and thank you. And a special thank you to you, because since 2009, you have taught me what the Word of God means and made it real to me in a way that I understand. I don't know if everybody else does, but you have always spoken to me directly, so thank you for that. God bless you all. Thank you very much, Donna. I've I've enjoyed having you in a life group. Your energy is just wonderful and magnanimous. So thank you for all of that, and thank you for your testimony. And let's let's go ahead and pray for Donna because they're going to be leaving this week, uh, Lord willing, Tuesday. Wow! So let's go ahead and uh, pray for them and send them out. Lord, I just thank you for Donna and Bob. I thank you for the wonderful testimony, for the way in which you work and the way in which you, Lord, we do plan our steps, but you're the one that establishes them, the Lord. And sometimes our plans aren't your plans, but you are gentle and patient with us, giving us peace, giving us guidance as to the to what your plans are and the way in which you work lord through through friends and family and and the church lord we just praise you and thank you for the way in which you work lord i just pray for for bob and donna that you go before them that you continually bless them that you continually lead them and give them that peace that surpasses all understanding that you establish their way and that it would be a way of glorifying and honoring you and peace-filled and sharing that time with their family, Lord, and sharing you with those who do not know you, Lord. We just thank you for them and we just ask your blessing. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Donna. At this time, I'd also like to invite up Brian. Wow. I I don't know how I got scheduled after her, but that's uh, tough to follow there. (laughs) Thank you, Donna, for your encouragement. Um, I've never really got a chance to meet you, and I I feel a loss for that. So, um, (laughs) Uh, All right. So the last two years have been rough, right? You know? Fears, isolations, divisions, job uncertainties, family struggles, sicknesses, and that really is just my life. Um, but here's the deal. You know, God has provided. He has been with us, just as Chris mentioned earlier. Um, uh, so, as many of you know, uh, we're newish here at Living Hope. Uh, we've been coming for a little over a year. About four or five years ago, my wife, Cammie, and I uh, felt a, a need to shift our focus to a more gospel-centered approach to life. Um, 
really started from a parenting, family perspective, relationship perspective, but it quickly included our heart ministering to others, you know, through children's ministry, through counseling and small group and that type of thing. So that was a few years back. So without going into the details, it ultimately is what led us here to Living Hope. But leaving our old church was tough, you know, just as Donna mentioned, the years and years of friendships. The way you can look across a room and kind of know what that person's thinking. Just the special things, getting that hug, you know, walking in the front door and it's it's home, right? And Donna, or Donna, that's, I pray your experience and transitions, that loss means something real. But God's got a purpose in it all. So um, thank you for, again, thank you for your encouragement to me. Um, but not just for us, but for our kids too. Uh, our, you know, they, the friendships that they had, the, uh, the fingerprints that were left on their lives, um, the feeling of, you know, that we had just being involved and contributing to the, the local church. Um, Leaving that, really, it's it's not part of God's perfect plan, but it, it is part of God's big picture. Um, so this year was really, really tough for me. Um, it's it's tiring walking in the wilderness with little support. My, my dad has Alzheimer's, and uh, has, he's progressed worse this year. Um, I was looking at pictures online, and, and last year at Christmas, there was definitely a little bit more engagement this year. He really is getting to be that, that little kid, and that um, it leaves me a little bit of you know well, I'm I'll be the oldest one in the family at that point, and so you know that support system isn't there. Um, so my circle of friends has decreased, and I've been working full time from home, so I'm more isolated, except for my awesome family and my wife and, and kids. Uh, my department at work was sold to another company and with a significant impact on benefits and maybe compensation, who knows, that's still up in the air heading into next year. Two cars had to be replaced, <laughs> so um, a little extra financial strain on us. Um, I know I've been more snippy to my wife. Um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, I felt my works and actions and my successes were all on me. And at the end of the day, that's not true, right? You know, we had switched churches and came to a place that really resonated with us. Um, how Pastor Tim can preach on judges and brings the gospel out, you know, brings hope, brings peace, um, brings a challenge too. It's, you know, we're part of his kingdom. We didn't earn our way into it. We're, you know, we're motivated from an internal perspective. Um, where am I? But I had noticed, you know, my heart's drifted and uh, I wasn't fully aligned with the good news of Jesus. And I hesitate to put that in past tense because they easily forget the forgiveness and, you know, who Christ is and, um, who I am in Christ. Um, I forget as many blessings and, you know, both the seen, you know, the, the physical around us and the unseen, um, the spiritual um, blessings, the 10,000 things that we don't see. I forget that God's promise to Abraham 
echoes down to me and to all of us, um, that I will bless you and make your name great, that you will be a blessing to others. Recently, I was reading in Acts 10 a time when um, Peter, who was a you know Jewish believer, welcomed Cornelius, uh, a Gentile, uh, you know, completely separate cultural circles. Um, Peter said, uh, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. So over the course of their meeting, they developed a relationship and a bond. And and ultimately, Peter was able to lead Cornelius to repentance and salvation in Christ. And so Cornelius was among the first Gentile believers. Peter's willingness to reach out to someone outside of his circle with a humility and graciousness is something that I know I need. And if my experience looking for new churches is any indication, I think it's what the body at large needs as well. So when we walked through these doors for the first time, there was a lot of baggage. Um, There was a lot under the surface that was going on, and there still is. My kids may sit quietly in a nice perfect line on Sundays, but we may even smile and say everything's fine if we're asked. Um, And maybe that's okay, you know, depending on our relationship, but please understand that everyone who walks through those doors, whether it's Pastor Tim or a man struggling with addiction, from the, newly, the young newlyweds to the newly widowed, from struggling single moms to the successful entrepreneur, um, even from those who are outwardly saints and to those who are emboldenedly sinful. Um, we all have our burdens and turmoils, and a smile and an introduction goes a long way. And I'm thankful for those who have reached out and who have connected. It's meant a lot to me um, in this past season. Um, I'm also thankful. So when we trans- when we came to start coming to live in hope, our biggest prayer request when people asked was, you know, what can we pray for? Our, one of the first things we always said was for Thomas. He's going into high school. You know, that that's such a rough time to change a foundational thing like like church. But God has provided. Just thankful for young men like, like Joe Clifford, Gavin Coggins, Jaden Paredes, and now Isaac Alberts. Oh, and Pastor Matt. <laughs> um, they've been so gracious, engaging, and encouraging to him. And that really does bless the Father's heart. All right, well, I'm not sure what this next year holds for my dad. My hope isn't based on his blessing or health. Well, I'm not sure what my friendship circle will look like a few years from now. My call to glorify God by serving others is still the same. While God doesn't guarantee no financial hardships, I can look back and see how he has provided and was with me each step. I know he is the same good God today and tomorrow as he was yesterday. I don't think I'm alone in hoping for a return to no normal in uh, 2022, but I, but I can't be looking inwards or backwards or even outwards to find hope. There's no hope there. Those are the things that God builds on and redeems and makes new. And I must look upwards to the heart of Jesus for my hope.
Thank you, Brian. God is in control and God will provide. Amen. Even through the difficult times. And I'd like to hear from Michelle now. Good morning. My name is Michelle Von Stein, and my husband Matthew and three boys have been attending Living Hope for the past few months. I was asked to share with you today about how I've seen God over the last two years through my experience working as a nurse in one of the COVID-19 intensive care units at York Hospital. I've been a nurse for 10 years. My time in the ICU means that I care for patients who need a tremendous amount of support. Prior to COVID-19, there were certainly personal challenges. There were shifts that were physically exhausting. Running around all day, not stopping to eat lunch, I was on the go for 12 hours straight. There were shifts that were mentally exhausting. I had patients where we just didn't know what was wrong with them, and we were constantly trying new therapies or trying to make sense of what was happening to them. I'm honored and thankful that I can care for patients and families during difficult moments, but there are shifts that are very emotionally exhausting. When a patient passed away that I had formed a connection with, or the sweetest patient got a devastating diagnosis, or it seemed that the family didn't deserve to be going through another tough time with a loved one. So how has the pandemic changed things? Over the past two years, treating patients with COVID-19 has meant that every single shift is physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausting all at the same time. It is physically exhausting from wearing personal protective equipment for 12 hours. My skin breaks down on my nose and cheeks from wearing N95 masks all day. Proning patients every shift means flipping them onto their bellies, which is not a small ordeal for an ICU patient. It takes at least six people to do this. They are hooked up to multiple IVs, sedated and intubated on a ventilator. Some are on continual dialysis, just lots of tubes and wires to manage. It is mentally exhausting because we keep trying the latest research to cure these patients, and when that doesn't work, we try something else. There comes a time when we have to say we're out of options, we don't know what else to do, and that is a helpless and depressing feeling. It's emotionally exhausting because time after time, I am the last person a patient will talk to before going on a ventilator never to come off. I try to calm their fears and assure them everything will be okay, but I really have no idea. I facilitate Zoom calls with family members so they can see their loved ones and say their final goodbyes. I hold patients' hands as they take their last breaths because their family members aren't allowed to be in the hospital. Prior to COVID-19, the loss of a patient's life was still hard, but due to age, health history, or prognosis, there was a predictability that I think has always allowed nurses to prepare and manage for those most difficult moments. COVID-19 brought new grief with patient deaths because we saw otherwise healthy individuals not be able to survive. These deaths were and are often unexpected and you never get used to it. One evening, I received a text message from my old Young Life leader that said, I am moved by your willingness to go and serve the Lord in this way. This is a time when so many people are looking inward and thinking about self-protection for good reason. 
but the Lord often gives us opportunities to go where others are not going. I think these are often the places where we come to know God more, learn to trust him, and others experience the transformative qualities of love through us. I think about how many diseased people Jesus touched without wearing any personal protective equipment. People with leprosy, those who are blind, the dead, the unclean. He went where no one else would go. The Lord is using me in the same way, to go and use the talents and skills that he gave me. What an honor to be used by God. Now, instead of being fearful, I'm grateful to serve the Lord and bring him glory in the middle of this pandemic. I pray that the Holy Spirit flows out of me and my patients feel God's love as I care for them as their nurse. Without the hope that I have in our Lord and Savior, I don't know how I would have been able to continue doing my job these last two years. My constant prayer is for my colleagues, especially those who don't have that same hope in Jesus. Pastor Tim preached several weeks ago about death. We as Christians have this hope in the middle of our grief. I have cried more after my shifts these past two years than I have in my entire nursing career. However, I've also had opportunities to pray with patients, either with them out loud or quietly in my heart, that they would be with their Savior in heaven. And for those moments, I am grateful that the Lord could use me to be bold in my faith and share his good news with my patients. There were a few Bible verses that I meditated on almost daily these last two years. The first is Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24, which says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I prayed this many times, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, when I was fearful of going into work, not knowing what I would walk into when I stepped into my unit. The second is Psalm 23. I won't read the whole psalm, but verse 5 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My workplace has been a dark valley these last two years. But God says, I will walk through it. I won't get stuck there. And not only that, but he is there to comfort me. I know this has been a heavy topic, but I hope that you see in the midst of so much suffering, Jesus is the light. He is not surprised by this pandemic. He knows how healthcare workers are feeling, and he offers his peace and comfort to them. He sees every patient and family and wants them to know his love for them. Jesus is good, and he is sovereign, and that is why I keep showing up to the ICU shift after shift. I don't know when the end of COVID-19 will be, and I don't know what dark valleys you are walking through right now, but I pray that you would know the hope, power, and love of your Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to end with a quote from a book by Louis Giglio called Goliath Must Fall. It says, We don't come to believe in God's love for us, because of the circumstances around us. We are assured of his love for us because of the circumstance of Christ on the cross. We remind ourselves that the pinnacle and depth and breadth of all chaos was thrown at Jesus. Jesus knows all about suffering. He knows all about pain. He knows all about loss. He was mistreated. 
He was abused. He was rejected. He suffered death. So we always keep our eyes on Jesus. We deliberately set him always before us. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for that illustration. Often we don't realize what people are going through and healthcare workers. I just want to thank all of you that are in the congregation. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. That is truly amazing. And thank you, Michelle, for the encouragement that God will sustain you through this and through the difficult times and through the challenges of COVID. And at this time, I'd like to invite Emma up. All right. Hello. Okay, so I'm Emma. Um, I've been in this church for a very long time, so I feel like I know most of you. But just in case, a summary of my life uh, thus far would follow as... I grew up in the church. I've known Christ since I was quite young. I was homeschooled, had faith-based education. Um, and I've been blessed to walk with him for many years at this point. Fast forward to the current moment, and I have found myself settled in Grove City College for these couple, four years. Um, and I've learned a lot of lessons there. It's been a place of a lot of growth and a lot of sweet moments. So when I was thinking about what to tell you all about today... Um, You know, I spend most of my days studying and learning, reading and writing, um, and learning how to do that well. Um, So I figured I would talk about the intersection between what I've learned and what I've learned about learning. Um, So there's a myriad of lessons the Lord has taught me in this past year, but the overarching theme resides in what I've learned about the juxtaposition between beauty and efficiency. What I've come to understand has further opened my eyes to the majesty of the Lord's nature, and the constancy of his kindness. And it's completely transformed my perception of how to live well, serve well, and love well. And so today, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the importance and purpose of beauty through the lens of lessons learned by its teachers. So this past semester, I took a core requirement class called Civilization and the Arts. In short, we spent the entire semester studying art and music through the ages. And I'm not the least bit exaggerated when I say it made a huge impact on my life. But of course, being an English major, my academics are almost entirely devoted to studying the beauty of eras and civilization in the form of literature. Yet it was not until I understood the imperative of seeing and savoring beauty in Christian living that my major often felt frivolous and superficial. Beauty felt like a pleasant yet superficial addition to life until I understood that beauty is the forms through which the nature and ways of God are revealed. In other words, beauty is the manifest means by which we understand God's glory, and the purpose of beauty is to exalt the source of beauty. And just as the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the works of his hands, beauty is our avenue of worship, and we are creatures made to praise our creator. With this understanding, as our dear friend C.S. Lewis asserts, beauty must be received, not used. Using beauty involves interacting with it and appreciating it, merely for the purpose of satisfying your own personal desires and needs. The use of beauty ultimately leads to the dimming of an an object's beauty in your eyes. The user maintains nothing more than a fickle appreciation of beauty. And I bet that sounds familiar. 
because the use of beauty feels something like inconsistent joy, withering peace, and wavering love and adoration for the Lord. Using beauty causes what is meant to be constants of the Christian life to become nothing more than occasional highs. On the other hand, the receiver can endlessly feast on the same object of beauty many times and be repeatedly renewed by a contemplation of it. Reception of beauty revives the heart because it moves one more fully to savor the goodness and kindness of God, and his unique majesty is differently displayed and newly displayed through every facet of creation. We all know these people, the ones who receive beauty. They're rather striking and unique. But I'd rather just say that very few of us are those people. And that's because the reception of beauty requires much of you. And this is where the next part of the puzzle comes into play. Because in our fast-paced world, we so easily fall prey to using our minds much and our hearts little. After all, efficiency is the name of the game. Believe me, in academics, it's no different. It's all about skimming better, reading faster, and writing the paper in two hours. (laughs) And when the greatest thing you're striving for is simply to get the job done and get it done fast, you become miserable pretty quickly. After all, we tragically tend to dismiss blessings as curses simply because they require something of us. We have become a people too tired and too busy to fully open our hearts. Because using your heart takes time, energy, and emotion. And those are all things we are quite reluctant to give up. And over this past year, I came to realize how much I did sufficiently and efficiently and how how little I did wholeheartedly. And I was hit with how far I fell short of the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I found myself in desperate need of having my joy refueled and my awe and adoration revived. And yet every time I opened my heart, I kept using my mind without my heart. Every time I opened my Bible, I kept using my mind without my heart. And I looked at the world in the same way. But beauty is prodigal. It's everywhere, all around you, all the time. And yet we're just too busy to notice and too weary to care. And as Job 12, 7 through 10 reveals, creation is teeming with the proclamation and praise of the Creator. Ask the beasts and let them teach you. And the birds of the heavens, let them tell you. Or speak to the earth and let it teach you. And let the fish of the sea declare to you, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? And whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? And yet we don't ask and we don't respond in praise because we're too focused on ourselves. And that heart posture entails dismissing evidence of the existence and splendor of God. It involves saying that the gifts he has given us are not worth taking the time to praise him for. And that is a heart posture that needs to be sorely repented of. Because to walk in communion and worship of the Lord requires you to stop pursuing efficiency and start seeking beauty. And that's what I wrestled with this past year. I had to stop living every day for the next day and start doing the task set before me with delight and joy and wholehearted attention. And scripture promises that seeing and savoring beauty is the means to refreshing our souls. As Proverbs 4.23 states, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So stop starving your heart of spiritual feasting for the sake of saving time or conserving energy, and start adopting a posture of prayer and gratitude. And so as you walk into this new year, maybe you're exhausted, apathetic, drained, or aimless, and the last thing you feel like you have the energy to do is to stop and care. And I urge you to apply your heart anyway. I urge you to command your heart to see and praise the beauty that points to the creator. 
Instruct your heart to love the word and rejoice in the resplendent spiritual realities we get to live in. Tell your heart to look and see, to actually see that the Lord is good. And it is only in unifying and employing our heart and mind that we come to daily crave and feast on heavenly gifts. Because living, serving, and loving well requires doing life wholeheartedly, not efficiently. We must take hold of the truth and sit with it, dwell with it, savor it, and let it transform us daily. Romans 12.2 states, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the interesting thing with that verse is that the word for mind is used in other places in scripture, except for it's it's translated as heart. So take that as you will. The word here can be heart or mind. Hence, let your heart and mind be renewed by this beautiful passage from Psalm 36. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights, for with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. So in this next year, let's become a people who seek to fully rejoice in every good and perfect gift coming down from above, from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Let us be a people who fully use our hearts and minds to draw living water from the fountain of life. Prayer and gratitude are the companions of a heart, mind, and soul fully unified in magnifying the Lord over all. And after all, as John Piper famously says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Amen. Thank you, Emma, for the reminder of the beauty and glory of God. What a wonderful time. What a wonderful testimony. God is good. God is working in this congregation. He's working in all of us. And as we talked about before, when we look at 2021 or 2020, when we look at 2021, we could not have predicted our lives and the way in which it would go. As I use the analogy of climbing a mountain, sometimes you can't see all the difficulties that are in front of you when you climb that mountain. And as we learned from Michelle, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty in our work. But God is good. God is faithful. God is alongside of us, carrying us when we can't walk anymore, giving us peace, seeing the beauty within that time. And as Brian reminded us, God calls us where we're at. Yeah, we might be on a rock that we don't know the way to go, but God will call us. And He will do the work. He will give us the direction, the path to go. He will provide Have faith in Him to provide. Ron and Betty told us that He will make the way. We don't have to find the way. He will make the way. We can plan, but it's God that establishes our steps. 
He is the one that gives us the route in which to go. And he will faithfully do that. And as Donna said, he has a plan for us. And we don't always know that plan. We don't always know that route. But God does. And and he will walk with us. He will be with us. And he will take us to areas that we do not even know. We can't even fathom. As we say, we, we didn't know that we would be standing here and we would have these things in our past. It's so wonderful to hear the journey in which God has placed and put people through to bring them closer to him. To be able to have that peace that surpasses all understanding. Because when you go out of here, there will be plenty of uncertainty. There will be plenty of ambiguity. You will not know what 2022 has for you, but God does. And that's the confidence that we have. That's the hope that we have in him. He's in control. He will provide. He will carry us through because he is good. And he will work all things for our good that are called to his purpose. Amen. So with this God that we serve, what is our responsibility? As we set our resolutions, let's continue on in Micah 6. See what God wants us or requires from us. Be up on the, I think I have it up there. There we go. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with Thousands of rams with tens of thousands of rivers of oil. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what he requires. He doesn't require our possessions. He doesn't need those. He's given those. He's given those to us. They're on loan. What he wants is your heart. As Emma said, give him your heart. He wants your heart. As you go through 2022... Do justice. We talk a lot about justice. And I love the fact that they put the word do. Not just no justice. Do justice. Walk humbly. And he also says to us to love kindness. To love it. There was a mention of the greatest commandment, love thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. In Matthew 22, there's a little phrase between that and the very next part of that greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like it. 
It's because the second is like it because the first part is defining who God is. And the second is like it because we are made in the likeness of image of God. So as you love your neighbor as yourself, you're loving that image of God. As you sin against your neighbor, you're sinning against God as we learned in Psalm 51. So love kindness. Love that image. Share that with those around you. As you know, that is uncertainty of 2022. If anything we've learned in 20 and 21, there's not certainty. Share that. And finally, I'd like to leave you with one of the ones that I'm just floored by is walk humbly. Using the word walk. Yes, you stand in the righteousness of God. Through Christ's righteousness, not of your own. But how do you walk? Do you walk with confidence? Do you walk with joy? Or do you walk uncertain, afraid that the shoe's going to drop? God wants you to walk with confidence, His confidence. He loves you more than you love yourself. In other words, do you believe what God says about you over what anyone else says, including your own opinion of yourself? I'd like you to do me a favor. I'd like you to close your eyes and I'd like to read to you what God says about you. Forever loved, healed, strong, forgiven, adopted, whole, redeemed, prized possession, fearfully and wonderfully made, victorious. And I'd like to leave you with this, this final reminder from Romans. This is the God we serve. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the God we serve. That's the beauty. That's the glory, the majesty of the one that we serve. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship him.